every second and fourth Wednesday of the month. Uh, we do a variety of topics that relate to ministry, and this week uh, we are going to talk about worship. And uh, we have several worship uh, leaders who are going to be a part of what we're doing. And uh, so let me just introduce them. Uh, Carlos Whitaker is here with us. Aaron Keyes is here. Hello. Uh, Martin Chalk is here. Hey, hey. And Tara Banks is also here. Howdy. And uh, my uh, partner in crime today is Sean Wood. Uh, Sean is a uh, pastor at Freedom Church in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. And if you've watched any of the ministry hangouts before now, you know that we all have uniform blue uh, bands at the bottom with our names, but these are worship leaders, and uh, <laughs> they do whatever they want to do, And uh, but I'm excited about today. Hey, let me uh, just real quickly, uh, let, let's start with Carlos. Why don't you just tell us um, uh, where you are now and uh, how, how you got started uh, leading worship. So, what's up, man? What, what are you doing? Where are you hanging? And yeah, man. Start. Yeah, for sure. Um well, I think first of all, thanks for having me, Pastor Greg. It's uh, it's a blast to hang out with um, all you guys and gals. Um, and uh, I, I'm actually living in Nashville, Tennessee, um, and I'm one of the uh, lead worshipers at Cross Point Community Church with Pastor Pete Wilson. There, it's my home church. There, not on staff. I just a uh, volunteer worship leader there. Um, and uh, and and so how I ended up there was um, started leading worship in college, uh, literally in a um, like a Latin, nobody knows, I've actually never even talked about this, but like a Latin worship band. And so like I played the congos and the bongos out in L.A. And uh, no lie, there's a guy named Moy Navarro who was the lead singer of the band. <clears throat> he got sick one day, so I ended up leading worship. And uh, the pastor at the church we were leading worship at asked me to come back the next week. So it was a complete accident. I was just a percussionist. And um, because of my accidental worship leader, I'm an accidental worship leader. I didn't try. I didn't go to Aaron Key's worship school. I didn't do Carlos's worship coaching. You know, I didn't do any of that. Like it shows. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so you could um, still do it. Yeah, I could still do it. If if you put me on a set of bongos, man, I I will. uh, I'll blow your mind. So um. Did that and then ended up, uh, this was a little church plant. Um, there was 15 people that attended, and it was in uh, Riverside, California. Ended up joining staff there and was there for 10 years and watched that church grow to thousands. And I was a worship pastor there um, for 10 years. And then, um, so it was every Sunday thing um, for me. Kind of kind of in the trenches like a lot of us are in on a weekly basis. And then I jumped uh, jumped ship and moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and went got hired on at North Point Community Church. And was the service programming director. I still led worship, and then I would produce the services at their Buckhead campus, and I was there for two years. Um, and then from there, signed a record deal with Integrity Music, moved to Nashville, and uh, now I'm, you know, I'm traveling full time, uh, leading worship and speaking. And then when I'm home on the weekends, I'm at my church, Crosspoint. So, oh, now I've seen you at Catalyst too. You still doing the Catalyst gig? Yeah, I'm actually. I'm actually. It says I'm in Mexico, but I'm actually at the Catalyst offices right now. And uh, um, yeah, so I'm still doing the Catalyst thing. I, I I work on their programming team and their creative team. Um, and then if they need me to, I'll hop on stage at the events. But uh, we leave that up to the professionals. Okay. So, yeah, it's fun. Great. I'm glad you're here. Man, I'm glad hey, to be here. Hey, Aaron, talk to us. What What are you up to now? And uh, how'd you get started? 
Yeah, um, well, I'm I'm sitting here in Pauley's Island, South Carolina, just up the road from you guys in Charleston. Um, my wife and I and our four kids are on a year-long sort of sabbatical. Um, I've been doing worship for the last 13 years, uh, 14 years, I guess. Got started as an accident as well, a lot like Carlos. A lot of worship leaders that I talked to actually um, didn't really mean to get into it. but yeah. um, So that was my story, too. The worship leader at the camp that I was working at um, left halfway through the summer, and someone had to do it. And they said, Aaron will do it. And I was like, no, he won't. Um, <laughs> I didn't sing. I didn't do anything. And so it was awful for a while. Um, but God was just really gracious. And um, so now um, we're still doing that. Um, I was the worship pastor at a church called Grace in Atlanta for 10 years. Um, Greg, are you okay? Do we need to send paramedics? <laughs> somebody, somebody. Hey, help him. This is what happens when the senior pastor gets worried and we're to talking too much. Well, normally I would yeah. just mute it's him, sing. but I feel bad. He's singing. <laughs> I'm muting him. Okay. I just muted Greg Surratt. There Aww. you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the last time I've ever invited in here. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, in Atlanta for 10 years as a worship pastor there. Um, and so my wife and I are, are now just praying through what's next for our lives, trying to figure it out. Um, I also work with Integrity Music like Carlos. And um, then our biggest passion these days is, is a worship school that we've started a few years ago. We disciple and train next generation worship pastors. Uh-oh. You're still muted, Greg. Sorry. <laughs> you unmute, Greg. Let's see. Hello? You're still muted. Aaron's fault. Oh, oh. bad. Oh, no. What happened? He was hacking up a lung. Oh, he was. All right. Do you need me to take over? <laughs> hey. Well, uh, let's go to, uh, let's actually go to Martin. Martin, just go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about where you're at, how you got there, and uh, that kind of deal. Well, I am in South Carolina, too, in beautiful Mount Pleasant, and I'll give you my joke line, as you can tell. I'm not from Mount Pleasant. I'm <laughs> from Atlanta. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm from Scotland originally, and um, Greg invited me over probably about 15 years ago to become part of Seacoast and start uh, worship leading there. So that's my journey to Seacoast. Prior to that, I grew up in a little tiny church in Scotland, probably about 30 people. My dad was a pastor, little independent Pentecostal, you know, all, all the stuff that that entails. And um, was very, everybody was musical. Everybody could play, everybody could sing, and my kind of introduction to worship leading was, hey, you're leading worship tonight. <laughs> and so that was pretty much it. I didn't really, like the other guys, it wasn't a, I'm going to make a, a career choice and, you know, pursue worship leading. You know, it was basically, you know, stumbled into it, and uh, pretty much that's how it happened, really. Greg, you're still muted, I think. I don't know if you can unmute yourself. <laughs> it appears to be a permanent action taken by Aaron. <laughs> why, why can't Greg unmute himself? I don't know. People strike. Has his mic got unplugged or something? I think you might be muted at the top right, Greg, to the little red mic there. I am now unmuted. There yeah! You go. yeah. <laughs> Welcome oh, back. Right. 
Oh, the how many times? How many times have I been muted by the sound man <laughs> at the request of a worship leader? Right. <laughs> this kind of feels like it's normal. Um, actually, what's going on with me is uh, I have. Uh, Um, <laughs> I was going to go to Tara next, but I think she just disappeared. Uh, oh, who's that? Um, <laughs> they just let anybody in here. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. This is the beauty of life. Tara, there you are. Are you back? You're new. <laughs> All right. Who's <laughs> that guy? I don't know. Oh, I know who he was. <laughs> Who was the guy? Can I tell Is you? Is that Elijah? Yeah. Can I tell you? behind that worship sign. That we, uh, we've never had these problems when we do pastors. <laughs> what? what just happened? Where did we go? Okay. Uh, so I, a worship leader tried to mute me, and it was the judgment of God. Hi, <laughs> uh, right, Tara, talk to us about what, what's your deal now, and uh, how did you get started wor worship leading? All right, well, now that I'm back, um, I have been uh, a part of Seacoast. This Easter is my 20th Easter. Wow. Um, I am only um, 13 years old, though, so yes. don't be fooled. Do not be fooled. Um, um, I have uh, been a part of the worship team uh, for those 20 years. I've had the privilege of um, being raised up underneath the... Uh, uh, Martin and his sister Jan, and loads of other great listeners. Um, but um, yeah, I've been leading worship. I've uh, been a part of the team for 20 years, but leading worship for the last 13. Um, and um, I'm the worship arts director at the Long Point campus. Um, so really just kind of have my hands in the day to day, raising up leaders, getting in with the nuts and bolts, um, getting to do weekly ministry with Pastor Greg and Martin and um, a great group of guys and gals. So that's, that's me. And doing a great job. All right. So what's the best advice you ever received as an aspiring worship leader? Or if you can't remember any, what advice would you give to an aspiring worship leader? Carlos, you got an answer for us on that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think for me, um, uh, obviously, uh, most of us started leading worship long before leading worship was actually a thing. Uh, I think it's it's like a thing now, and so uh, it's a career. It's a you know, when I started leading worship, I don't think I was called like the praise something. I don't even remember what it was called. But um, I think as as I began to see worship leading become again quote a, a thing for me, um, what what I needed to do was make sure that I was I was my own worship leader that I wasn't trying to mimic another leader. I mean, now we've got DVDs coming out every, every time, a you know, um, another worship album comes out, it comes out with a DVD and I'll see sometimes young worship leaders praying the same prayers that they heard a worship leader pray from a D DVD. And I'm like, we already have them. We need you. What, what does having you as a worship leader look like? And so, um, and that's, that's hard for, you know, somebody in any profession. And so for me, I think the bit of advice that I just kind of make sure I'm giving to younger worship leaders always is, you know, find your unique voice, your, you know, if you're not a talker, then please don't talk between songs. You know, if you, if God has gifted you and being able to form a couple sentences together, then use that, you know, but, um, but 
definitely trying to find your own voice in in kind of the big C, I think, is a pretty important um, uh, piece of advice that I would like to give. Yeah, you know, and sometimes it takes a while to find your own voice, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it sure does. It, ta it takes a lot of mistakes, you know, and, um, and I, I think, you know, um, as long as, as the leadership above uh, is allowing mistakes to be, to be made, then I think, you know, the worship leaders will grow at a rapider pace than if, you know, again, they, they're feeling suppressed all the time. So, okay. Aaron, how about you? Advice. Um, well, what we talk to guys about a lot, and what I was told, um, is to get to know God really well. Um, and so I, I feel like, like Carlos was saying, sorry, there's a hurricane coming apparently. <laughs> um, my furniture's flying around the patio. Um, there's a lot of guys now who can be given a guitar, they can sing, and they look the part, and so we assume that they must be the part to be on stage. But it's, um, there's a lot of influence that worship leaders and worship pastors have nowadays. They're, you know, their songs might be sung throughout the week, but the sermon's probably not going to be rehearsed in the minds of the people for a week. So I just think it's so important to get to know God really well and make sure that you can appraise um, the truth of what's going on in a room accurately. Good. Like that. You know, and before we, before we kind of take that further with uh, Karen Martin, let me... Let me hang out there for a minute. It can be, um, I, I started as a worship leader, yeah, amazingly enough. Uh, Did which, you? Yes, which proves that you don't have to be able to sing or play anything in order to do that. <laughs> Back then you didn't. I, I was going to say successful, but I don't know that I was successful. But I was a worship leader, and I, I consider myself to be a worshiper. Uh, but uh, when you do it, and you do it regularly, and you do it well, um, that can get to your ego just a little bit, uh, you know, when people are saying, I love you, I love when you do it, you know, oh, yeah. that's my favorite part of the service, or um, I put up with the message because I love the worship here, Th those types of things. How do you handle that? How do you keep the ego in check? How do you keep a right spirit? Anybody want to jump in on that? I'll just echo what I said a second ago, because it's still the same answer. If if the reason that you're in your job as a worship leader is because you know God and you know what he calls you and you you can't get to know him you know if you don't know his word if you know his word if you're in his presence ego the ego gets annihilated in the presence of God. Yeah. And annihilated so I love it if you're if you're if you have a job because you're talented and good looking and can sing really well that fosters great ego trouble mm -hmm. um, and it also fosters a lot of insecurity as you get older. But if your groundedness is in God and your depth in His Word, your ability to take people into those depths, that gets more and more wise and profound as you get older. And it, it always keeps you safe um, as you humble yourself before God. Good stuff. And I think, I think that what you know, the Bible encourages us to, to die daily, which is Never any, never fun for any of us. Um, so I think, uh, I think keeping that thought close to mind, and also there was something that um, Rick Warren once said that I thought was quite good. It was about um, gum. You know, you chew gum and you enjoy the flavour, but but eventually you spit out, you know, the gum, and it, and same with compliments. Yeah. And on the other, on the flip side of that, you know, negative comments, you know, take it on board, chew it, you know, 
consider it go, you know, yeah, yeah, there's some truth to that, whether it be positive or negative, but don't, basically don't swallow the gum. You always spit <clears> it out. That's good. Don't swallow the gum. I that like is it. good. Tara, good yeah, advice. I think it's um, also just keeping a real honest assessment of yourself and realizing that at the end of the day, you're really not all that. <laughs> um, you know, like if if people are, are you know, laying on compliments or or like Martin said, criticism, you know, either way, um, you know, our identity is in Christ. It's not necessarily in the latest opinion of the latest uh, song or, you know, you know, whatever. So I, I think just kind of taking an honest assessment of, of yourself and who you are and what you're called to do and then just absolutely planting your feet in that and being that thing um, and, and uh, you know, just being secure in that. Good. Hey, Greg, we have a uh, question from Twitter that I thought kind of piggybacks off of what we're talking about here. Jeremy Z asks, how do you battle through frustrating and dry times as a worship leader? And I thought to what Aaron is saying, if you know God, but what about those times, and Carlos, I've heard you talk about this before, where you step up on stage and you go, but I'm not really close to God right now. I don't, yeah. I don't, I feel dry. How do you battle through those times? Oh, yeah. that's a good question. I love that. You've just had a fight with your wife. Yeah. Uh, you haven't had a quiet time in a week, and now yeah. I'm going to lead people in worship. What do you do? How do you handle it? You know, I, I think for me, I, I, again, going back to scripture and, and looking at, at all of the, uh, the, the idiots through scripture that God used and comparing and contrasting kind of my life to theirs. And I mean, th this actually happened last weekend. My wife and I got in this huge fight on Saturday night, and it continued into Sunday morning. And I even, I even had the, the audacity to look at her and go, I'm about to go on stage and lead a thousand people in worship. We need to resolve this. And she's like, well, you should have thought about that before, you know, and then gave me a little attitude. And mm -hmm. I get on stage, and I have to realize, again, that, that in those moments, it is not by my strength, and it is not by, by my personality, and it is not by my ego, and it is not by me that I'm leading people in worship. Um, understanding that I'm a tool and a vessel that God can use however he wants. Um, even in my weakness, you know, I struggle with anxiety and depression. And sometimes I'll get up on stage and I'm at the end and, or in the middle of a bout of depression for me. And just looking to God and saying, you know what, God, I have nothing. And I have to have you come through me today. Um, so, you know, watching what God can do to a tore up, messed up, you know, hot mess of a human being like me sometimes is even, um, um, you know, I, I think that brings him glory too. Mm -hmm. um, to see to see him using somebody you know as messed up as me, and that happens all the time. We can never remove that completely. Um, somebody else. Yeah, I think the like Carlos was saying, it's not something that we are manufacturing. You know, as, as worship leaders, that we have to be the the only you know conduit to to God's presence. I think if we, I think just reinforcing that we are. Or simply tools, you know, that he can use. You know, and um, I think you know, keeping that in mind is is definitely vital. You know. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I can uh, think of some times when I was less than fit in the moment to deliver the word, and there's no excuse. Or I'm not making an excuse for that. Sometimes it happens. And you pray one of those, God, if you don't show up, yeah. it's going to be a mess. 
and you see God do an incredible thing. Just you go, wow, that was something else. Now, I don't want to lean back on that, but uh, God is able to do abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. And in those times, uh, I think that's the case. You know, um, one of the things that I do is uh, I'm currently uh, leading the ARC, which is Association of Related Churches, a church planning uh, organization. And um, we work very hard to find church planters that uh, we feel like there's an anointing of God on and that they can accomplish the task. So as a church planter who doesn't happen to be Louis Giglio, okay, <laughs> he doesn't have, you know, Matt Redmond and, and the whole team, you know, uh, to start with, which is awesome. But they want to find a worship leader. How do they do that? Where, where do you find a worship leader um, uh, these days if, if you're a church planner? Anybody want to jump in on that? I mean, Sean, you're, you're the church planner, bro. How, uh, yeah, where, I mean, you know, I'd love to hear from you from church planner himself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, for us, it was out of relationship. Um, I actually preached a message at Elevation Church several years ago. Out of that message, a guy uh, got with me on Facebook. The, the message uh, really touched his life because it was a, a, a shared story that we have. We started a relationship, and then um, God brought us together. And I can honestly say that, and that's Robbie Foreman, my worship leader, I can honestly say, too, that there was a, um, a providence of God um, that just had us come together, that had us uh, near each other, getting to know each other better, and then it was just like there was no question about it. So that was one way uh, that that could happen for us. And then we have now a secondary worship leader uh, and Cody Burbage who leads worship with us and um, that was done the other way which I think is the other option God may bring them to you in just a supernatural way or just um, sweat tears and hard hard work on Robbie's part to audition people to, to find people to network with people to let people fail to have lots of people come through I think we've had about 19 drummers come through uh, and Cody ended up being a drummer that stuck and then investing in him uh, every week uh, playing with letting him play with us not only as a musician but discipling him and it was it was a more of a discipleship process than it was looking for a worship leader and then all of a sudden we went hey I think he's a worship leader let's he's already doing it so let's let him lead worship some more but he was discipled first so but it was I can tell you on, on Robbie's behalf um, it was a lot easier for me to find Robbie that when God just brought him to me in my path than it was for Robbie to develop and with the hard work that I think a lot of people maybe sometimes um, uh, don't want to have to do uh, to find Cody. So, Aaron, what, how would you respond to that? I think you got to be honest about what you want. I mean, do you want what do you want if you want a worship leader? Do you want someone who's just going to sing songs well and entertain people, or do you want someone who's going to pastor them, shepherd them, and help them know God better? Because you look for those things in two different places. Yep. And where seminaries can train pastors and church planners, nobody's training worship pastors. And there, you know, I've been thinking for a few years, you're going to see a, a resurgence of, not a resurgence, an uprising of seminaries and Christian colleges offering, starting to offer worship degrees, which is happening, which is fine. Education is okay, but it's not discipleship. I would say find someone who is being discipled and has a heart to make disciples. Jesus' great commission was not to go out into all the world and tour and make albums. It was to make disciples. 
And so I don't know why we get away from that when we think about where do you hire a worship leader. Find someone who's being disciple, who wants to be disciple, and make disciples. That's who I hire. Yeah. Good. Tara, let me ask you, how, because I think you do good with this. What kinds of things do you do uh, to disciple the band, to disciple other worship leaders? I know in our context, you have uh, several lead worship uh, leaders. Yeah. What are, what are you doing? How, how do you do that? What, what are you doing to disciple them? Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the uh, unique situation that I get to lead a bunch of fellas, which is awesome. Um, and um, so we, um, we gather, um, you know, once a week very kind of purposefully to have, you know, prayer time and Bible time and share needs with one another and that kind of thing. Just, you know, yes, discipling. Um, but I also, more than that, I want to know what's going on in their families. I mean, if they're married, um, I want to know what's going on with their wives. There's a, a group of, of the young musicians um, and young worship leaders that I gather their wives once a month, and we just get together and just kind of do life, and I encourage them how to encourage their husbands in ministry um, and that kind of thing. But I think, you know, um, even sometimes going beyond just the guys and gals that we have opportunity to be influential with on a weekly basis, but getting into their families um, is key. Um, you know, that, that their kids play with our kids and their, you know, whatever. Um, so I think, I, I think that's important. Um, yes, we're going to gather on the weekends. Yes, we're going to um, gather together outside of the weekend and just do fun stuff together that has absolutely nothing to do with work. Um, just hanging out. I think stuff like that is super key for building relationships because I think that um, when you're able to build relationships uh, within your teams um, and that kind of unity comes, that can only further the work of Christ in what you're trying to do um, because that that unity is just so key. And so anything you can do to foster that, um, I'd say, is always a win. Okay. Anybody else have anything on that? Yeah, I think I'd like to say, Greg, that um, um, every church has a different DNA, and and I'm I'm really all for finding worship leaders that that have kind of been birthed out of out of the local church themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that can't always be um, the case, but when 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 a worship leader knows um, the vision and the heartbeat of that church, it translates so smoothly onto stage, as opposed to you know sometimes you have to bring someone in from the outside, but if you can find them, you know, inside of your church, um, if there's pastors watching this or other worship leaders looking, you know, again, um, and, you know, don't just stick them straight on stage. You know, if they can lead worship in front of five people, um, and again, we're using lead worship as in musically leading worship, um, then then maybe they can pull that off in a little bigger setting. But I'm all for looking <clears throat> first on the inside uh, before you kind of looking, you start looking on the outside. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. All right, so I got a question that comes from outside here, and it says the ultimate question, do you pay or not pay musicians? Um, how does that work? How's that been in your experience? Um, uh, Aaron, talk to me a minute. Um, well, we so when I was at Grace, we, we did both, and I'll tell you why. So at the beginning, when we were doing three services, we're keeping people there all day. I felt like we needed to do something for these guys who were – spending their one day off work at the church all day. So it wasn't much. I think we might, might have paid our guys $100, you know, to be there all day, which is a little bit 
it just covers their strings and gas, really. Um, but then we broke it up, so it's just these guys are playing in the morning, and another band's coming in at night. And we decided to stop paying people. Um, but we said if if you receiving fifty dollars to come do the morning means that you can do it, and if we take that away, you can't anymore. We'll still gladly do that. Um, and so everybody pretty much said these guys have jobs. I mean, they're they're not like trying to make it as musicians. They're all gone. They don't need the fifty dollars. They just want to worship. They just want to play. So we stopped. Okay, Aaron, or that was Aaron. <laughs> Carlos, yeah. What what would you say about pay or no no pay? What's been your experience? You know, I, I've I've been in parts of churches that have done both. Um, when I was at Sandals Church, uh, and we were rapidly growing church, we didn't have any money. Uh, well, our church was growing faster um, than we could even keep up with, and so you know when we started running, you know, five services on a Sunday, um, I still wasn't paying my players. You know, and they they were again. Um, they were they were obviously doing it because they wanted to do it. And then when I started to see some of them burn out, uh, you know, the, we had to do something for them. We never got to the place where we ever paid in ten years of being there a player. Now take take it. I went from from Sandals Church and one Sunday to North Point the next Sunday, where I mean, players were getting paid a lot of money to play on Sunday. And so I had to swallow this. Well, wait a second. You're not supposed to pay players. Um, and so I I kind of went directly into this. Uh, setting where players were getting paid. And so, obviously, the, um, the excellence at, as far as musicianship that, that was coming out of what North Point was doing compared to some of the guys I was using at Sandals, it was a lot higher. They were professional musicians. This is what they did for a living. This is what they did for a job. I personally, if I was on staff at a church, I still am, am of the opinion that I don't think, uh, I think you can find great players that um, you don't need to pay. And so that's just kind of where I sit right now. Um, now, that's funny coming from a guy that travels and asks to get paid when I go to a church, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so um, that, that is my living. That is, that is how I feed my family. That's how I you know, take care of the bills. Um, there's a lot of people in your local church um, that, that are going to be able to, to play without being paid. I, that, that's where I would sit. That's where I would fall. Um, but again, my church, Crosspoint, we pay. I think they I don't know because I'm not on staff, but they pay some of the musicians. They don't pay some of them. They pay some of the worship leaders. I don't know how they do that all. It just gets really messy. You know, it just gets really messy really fast. So I would say wait as long as you can. And then when you finally have to, go ahead and do it. But I would wait as long as you can before you do it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think ideally we w you would say no, let's not pay. But, but again, I suppose in every role in the church, that's what we would say. Right. You know, e.g., we, you know, I get paid, all of us here probably get paid, you know, so in an ideal world, probably everybody could do it from a complete voluntary stance, um, but then even biblically, the, biblically, there's, you know, the priests in the, in the Old Testament were provided for. Yeah, um, and the musicians also. And the musicians, so, but I, I think it's, back to Carlos, I think it's it's the whole heart issue that it, that it can um, unveil mm -hmm. is it you know is it just are, are they really behind the vision mm -hmm. the, 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 of the church and what it's about I mean I came from Scotland and I don't think I even knew a worship leader that ever get paid or get their strings paid for or anything you know it was just part of the culture you know that was the way it was and so to move into this but then it you know it's a completely different 
scenario, but I think you know I think it can work both ways, but it does introduce um, you know are they behind the vision? Are they enthusiastic about what's going on, or are they just filling the base player slot? You know, every four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, let me kind of hitchhike on that a little bit. If you're if you're in a major city or um, where you've got several kind of churches that are uh, emerging or kind of happening in the worship area. Uh, my experience has been you can see the same players at different weeks in the different churches, and it almost seems like there's a mercenary kind of thing going on where I play for pay uh, at this one, that one, or the other. I don't know whether that's, you know, and maybe because I use the word mercenary, I, I do have a little challenge with it. <laughs> I, say, I don't know whether that's good or bad. But that's not really honest, is it? What... How do you how do you deal with that? As far as is there a value of really being a part of the house, you know, to express the house heart, or how, how do you deal with that? Any anybody has has dealt with that in the past, or anybody want to talk to that issue? Boy, that was a good question. Well, Greg, we, we've uh, we've dealt with that a little bit. Being in the Charleston area, there's lots of churches around here and different places to play. And it gives us an opportunity, as we go back to Aaron's thing of everything is discipleship, it just gave us an opportunity to go to some people and say, hey, if you want to plug in at that church, plug in there, but plug in somewhere and just really encourage them to, to choose a place to be discipled and get under authority and, and really uh, be a part of a house. And, and if it's not us, that's fine, but just choose. And if, if you don't see you choosing, then we'll probably help you choose. Okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go back to one thing that I mentioned earlier, too. I think you got to figure out what you want. If you want the best show in town, then hire the best players. But if you want to be a family that's growing in God together, then be a family that's growing in God together. It might not be, you know, if my kids put on a little play for, for Megan and I, it's not going to be the most glamorous thing, but it might be glorious to us. And it's oh, yeah. dangerous to confuse glamorous with glorious. you got to figure out what you want. If you want a glamorous show, lights and sound, then get the people to look the part. If you want someone, if you want to encounter the glory of God, you've got to find people who are willing to live for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a high five right there. Right there. Come on in. Give me it. That's good. That's good. That that the, hold on. <laughs> oh. that, that's for you, Aaron Keys. Oh, you guys are creative. Yeah. Any, anything else on that? That's you know. I, I'll just I'll piggyback off of off of what Aaron says. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna. Uh, I mean, that, that is, when I moved to Atlanta, I, I literally, again, like I, I went from a culture in Southern California where, again, we didn't even pay our players to, again, hey, what church are you at next week? Oh, what church are you at next week? And then they were going to this church and that church and that. And it really was mind-blowing to me. Um, but, again, the, the, for, for some churches, I think they've decided um, that, that a, a, an excellent really great sounding production is, is the goal. And if that's the goal, then that is, I think that's fine. And that's what you choose. Um, but if you choose again, like, like Aaron says that you want, um, you want to develop disciples and to build disciples and to grow, you know, I think it's okay every once in a while for a church to help out another church. We see that a lot, you know, Hey, we need players for this. Yep. Go for it, you know, borrow and share and stuff like that. But if it's, if it turns into, you're just, you're gigging and, um, and that, that's your, your source of, kind of from one church to the other, that is not healthy, period. It's just not. 
I think we got our controversy. I like that. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. I, I happen to agree wholeheartedly that there's a vision of the house, and the house is a family, and uh, let's let's be a part of that. And yeah. uh, I like, uh, Aaron, I like how you put it. All right, so. Hey, Greg, we've got another Twitter uh, question I think is uh, one right. that maybe could could uh, piggyback into is, uh, uh, Tim Lillard asks, uh, he says, our church worship set is on average 23 years old. I don't think he means the players. <laughs> I think he means the actual songs. Uh, we're on average 23 years old. How young should a worship set be to remain attractional? Um, and then he throws that out there. And I think that even can go into how we, we could talk about the next generation of worship and new songs and doing old songs and old people, I guess, too. And even the word attractional, whether or not that's a healthy word to use. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fire away. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, let's let's go with that. Martin, how about you? You haven't had to lead in any of these controversial questions, Martin. Yeah, I think all the songs should be old. <laughs> Twenty-five years plus. Those those writers are beginning to run out of income. So uh, that's not helpful. I think it's a mix. You know, I think I think you. The the ultimate goal is power and presence of God in in the service and if if you think a you know if you think a, you know an ancient hymn is something that's going to help take you there then go for it and if you think it you know you know I don't know open the eyes of my heart Lord or or you know from the inside out is, is the is the route that's going to help you know get in that direction on that particular service Go for it, you know. I, I think it's harder for. Um, it's, it can be hard to introduce new songs, and it's harder for. Con you know, worship teams that have been together a long time. It can be hard to introduce new material if if their whole culture is is based in you know. Not moving forward, so I, anyway, I, I think both can work, old and new. So the, uh, I think the key phrase you use there, Martin, if the goal is to experience the presence and power of God, then you do whatever it is that brings that about that weekend or, or leads us into that place. Um, uh, Carlos, you, you said attractional. Is that, a, is that a nasty word in worship or not? Um, I, I don't like it. I, I don't like the word. Um, that. Um, um, I, I think the, the presence of God is the most attractional thing that, that can happen on a Sunday or on a Monday or a Tuesday. And if that is in your church service, I think that, that people are going to go there. Now, um, th there's other words I don't like too, you know, target, age. You know, there, there's, there's things that I hear thrown around in kind of church cir leadership circles that, that I think really muddy up uh, the purpose of what we're trying to do when we gather together as the saints. Um, so, you know, what, one of the questions that I, I – tell people, worship leaders all the time that I'm talking to when they're like, well, how many new songs should we do? How many old songs should we do? I'm like, have you ever asked your people? Have you ever even asked them? And they, they're mortified to even think to ask the people that go to their church because what happens is when they ask, the people in the church want to sing songs from 10 years ago, but the worship leader wants to sing the newest Hillsong United record. And so, so you know, and now it goes into, well, we would like for them to sing, but the truth is, what is going to deliver your people, you know, 
um, fastest uh, to the presence of God. And I think a lot of older songs actually do that because they know them. They don't have to read lyrics the entire time. It's okay, obviously, to introduce new songs. But if you ask your people, you'll find some songs that you haven't done in a long time. And um, I, I think it's an important thing to actually maybe ask and pull the people that are coming into your community. Yeah, and just to piggyback off of that, and not because my pastor is um, hosting this call, but I think it's also really important to, you know, make sure that you are in complete alignment with your pastor and yeah. whatever is, you know, that you're under the blessing of the house as well. Um, you know, if your pastor wants you doing nothing but hymns, then, you know, get, you know, under that and, and to do that as well. Okay, so how about... Let's let's uh, segue into writing uh, for a minute. Um, how do you um, create an environment fertile for uh, new songs, and uh, what's the upside and the downside of um, of original songs in the house? How, how do you? I guess first of all, how do you create an environment for that? Martin, talk to, talk to that a little bit. We've been talking about that for a couple of years here. What's what's going on with you in that area? Yeah, so the role that I'm um, fulfilling at the moment is exactly that. It's songwriting, uh, recording, identifying the songwriters, and um, hopefully mentoring them to, you know, to improve as writers. And uh, actually making, big thing for me was actually making time in the, the schedule that is actually carved out specifically for the task of songwriting. Historically for me it was always something that on occasion you, you threw in to the already full plate and then wondered why some of the the song write, the songs were you know didn't feel as special as they could <laughs> simply because you hadn't allocated you know the right um, environment for it, whether that's been allowing yourself to be creative. As worship leaders, we're always, you know, like like pastors, you're always given out every week, every six days, and often more frequently, there's there's a service that you're, you know, you're pouring yourself out into. Um, so for me, it's been a, a a change to actually create time to be creative and and write and. Um, I think the other thing is identifying just because you're a worship leader may not necessarily mean that you're a songwriter. You know, and so being able to identify that whether that's your, you know, specific area of gifting or not. Um, and what we've been doing at Seacoast is it's pretty much it's it's a, a big a big funnel at the moment and anybody that's showing some sort of songwriting promise. I'm trying to embrace and and work with and uh, you know I've had the privilege for a few years of, of being poured into by a a very experienced um, songwriter who's worked with a lot of people and so I've 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 been able to sort of relay and share some of the the things that I've learned or you know hopefully starting to learn as a writer so I think the benefits are in-house is that the congregation when they see it's something that someone from the you know from in the church has written you know they love it it's like yeah. it's like Aaron's family play you know it's like <laughs> it's glorious now obviously you have to 
you know, st stop and, and wonder if it's as glorious or if they just <laughs> love you because it's you. Yeah, sometimes it's not as glorious as others. There's a bit of that. But, um, <laughs> I think there's definitely benefits, but obviously it's a very sensitive area. Also, getting to the point as an artist where you're willing to receive, um, you know, input, constructive input. I remember working with this guy called Andy Piercy and sharing this song that I, you know, I poured everything into. And he goes, yeah, that was a really great verse. <laughs> you know, and basically what, he, what he's saying is, the rest of it is rubbish. <laughs> you know, but he didn't put it as blunt as that. And I remember distinctly for me the point um, where I, I was either going to shut down and say, I hate you, shut up punch in the face or basically be vulnerable and receive it and actually be willing to, you know, he said, why don't you go see if you can write me another chorus. And so I think part of it, part of the, the journey is uh, exploring that is the, the ability to receive input, positive criticism and make the changes because the other observation is when you're you're doing original songs, they're competing against the best songs that that the Christian, you know, the worship world has to offer. And so when you bring an original into the mix, it's competing against songs that are, have a track record and are proven to be, you know, the best, the cream of the crop. So it's easy for in your, your own, you know, for songs that are coming from within to, to flounder a little bit. Um, Obviously, you can look at the positive of that, and it's a challenge to to reach, you know, to write songs that are as, you know, are as excellent as that. So. How about um, either Aaron or Carlos? What What would you say to a pastor um, if he wants to create? Or he'd love to have more original music. Uh, what What can a pastor do to help facilitate that? Carlos. Yeah, you know, um, in Nashville, we, we're we're under a, a little bit of a of a different thing. Nashville is kind of where people go to write songs, and so uh, so our church is littered, literally, with unbelievable songwriters. Uh, now, you would think that having a church like that that would equal littered with amazing original worship songs, but it's not the case. Um, and so Pete Wilson, our pastor, um, kind of came to some of us and said, "Hey, listen, you know, how can we?" foster more original tunes in our churches um, and the, or in our church. And again, the answer to him is, okay, if we're, if we're going to do that, you have to know that not every Sunday is going to be a hit when it comes to every single song. So, we're, you know, we're, A, we're going to try these out, and then B, you have to make sure that the, the writer of the song um, also knows that, you know, hey, we're giving this a shot. If, if it doesn't work, now there could be a system or a process to it, uh, but don't get your feelings hurt. You know, some songs are meant for the world to hear. Some songs are meant for the local church to hear. Some songs are meant for maybe just you and God to hear. Yeah, and um, those are you know, songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So we, we've done that. We've got writer writers' nights uh, once a month where we have all the. Um, and again, I would say only about twenty five percent of the writers are worship leaders. The rest are just writers. They're not. They're not worship leaders at all. Um, and they're worshipers. They're not necessarily worship leaders on Sundays. And so um, I've found a lot of times that some of the best writers aren't actually the worship leaders. They're not actually the ones that are on stage. And some of the worst writers are actually the worship leaders that are on stage. So.
Want to add anything to that, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually would connect this question to the last one because when you think about new songs or old, uh, original or cover, I think those are fine questions. A better question is good songs or bad songs mm -hmm. because a great song that's fresh is a great song, just like a great song that's 200 years old is a great song, but there's plenty of 200 years old songs that are bad. And there's plenty of two-day-old songs that are bad. And people don't respond to something because necessarily it's new or old, but they respond to it if it's great. Mm -hmm. And if God really met you and he gave... Okay, so, I mean, and I'm going to push back on you a little bit on this, Martin, because you said God hasn't gifted um, all worship leaders to be songwriters. Gifting's one thing, but skill is another. God gives talent, but you work on skill. I mm -hmm. think God has gifted a lot of worship leaders to write songs. They've never worked out the skill to do it. They've written a lot of bad songs, because they and I put myself exhibit A, and I've learned it's really hard to unrecord a song, <laughs> uh, really hard to unrelease an album. Um, I've wrote I've written so many horrible songs because I just God gave me some gifts, but I hadn't worked out the skill yet. So the last couple of years I've been trying to work through building up skill. So with all of this, I, I'm just thinking the the previous question, this question. What are we hoping to do? Do we want to give the people what they want, or do we want to help them want what they need? And I'm hoping that we can give them something that actually gives them a taste for something that they don't even know that they want yet, but they desperately need. That's good. I, I know from a pastor's point of view, there's a couple of things that I've had to wrestle with. Uh, one is um, allowing the worship leaders to create space uh, to do what they need to do to... Um, you know, to write, to write music, and um, understanding that their life and their their times that they're creative is you know different than other people that might count the money in the church or you know do the counseling or whatever. And so you know, being sensitive to that, creating space for that. And then secondly, um, when I you know when when I'm listening or when I'm worshiping, uh, I'll be honest with you. I had a microphone that was left on the other day. While she was up worshiping, and I was uh, uh, in, in another room getting ready to come out, and I, uh, she kidded me about what I might have said, and I hopefully I didn't say anything bad, but uh, it was one of these ear things for her. But I do at times go, I don't like that song, you know. I just I hear one, and it might be one of the new ones, or it might be someone somebody else is doing. I go, I just really don't like that song, and for me. Um, it's easy to have a fast trigger to go. Let's not sing that anymore. That's a, you know, that's a boyfriend song, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not secure enough in who I am to sing about that or whatever it happens to be. And uh, it, rather than have the quick trigger, I, I, I give it three shots, and it, going okay, maybe it, it was just bad burritos for me. I was in a bad mood or whatever. And looking at the congregation and saying, are they singing this? Are they expressing worship? You know, the first two rows, you know, because the first two rows, they're going to worship anything. That's why they're there. But as you go back, just, are they involved? Are they engaged? And sometimes it takes, you know, two or three times. But after about three times, if it's not happening, it's probably not a good song. Anybody agree with that? Yeah. All right. Good. Nobody agreed with it. That's all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah. I like that approach. I mean, yeah, I just, there has I to be singing in key songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Safe bet for crap. Just singing in, in, in and catalog songs. That's all. That's all you do. So. Oh man.
I, uh, about one more question. There are so many that we could do. Uh, yeah. This is great. Uh, how do you handle a difficult relationship with the senior leader? Anybody ever had one of those? You don't have to admit to it. Let's, oh, what? Uh, let's talk about a friend of ours that had <laughs> a, a relationship that wasn't good with the senior pastor. Uh, what advice do you give your friend? What, what, what do you say? Carlos, what do you say to your friend? You know, it, it's, it, it really is a relationship, relationship, relationship. If, if your relationship isn't good with the senior leader, you're, you're not going to last. Oh, and, and so you've got to pray and, you, and you've got to really build upon, you know, maybe find some tools uh, that you can build upon um, in, inside of that relationship. There's a book called um, Crucial Conversations that I, that I tell every worship leader to read the middle three chapters in. I can't remember who it's by, but the book is called Crucial Conversations and it really, really helps at least me build in safety in some of those more difficult conversations. Um, now, now I would, I would, I would um, add to that, um, difficult isn't necessarily bad um, when it comes to a senior leader. I've had senior, senior leaders above me that are just very opinionated when it comes to creativity and when it comes to the arts. Then I've had some senior pastors that just, they don't care. Carlos, you do what you're going to do. And so it's always the ones that are a little bit more involved in the creative process that there's a little bit more rub inside of that. And so just, again, pouring into that relationship outside of work, pouring into that relationship outside of church, I think is going to be the key um, to success when it comes to your relationship, again, on stage, because people are going to be able to see it, um, you know, maybe not on stage, but they'll be able to see it off stage. And so I, I think it is a vital, vital thing that the senior leader and the senior worship leader, you know, are they don't have to be best friends, but have a, a great relationship. Aaron, what do you say about that? Aaron is muted. Aaron's muted. Oh, sorry, I'm unmuted. Sorry, sorry. It's uh, very windy here. I keep muting myself. Um, the only thing I would add, and I, I, I read that book on Carl, Carlos's recommendation, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I would just add that it's, it's, um, it's the biggest movements, I think, going on in the country that are shaping worship. Not the biggest, but several of the big three. I would, I would consider Hillsong to be one. I would consider Passion to be one and maybe Jesus culture. If we just took those as three worship movements that are significantly influencing what a lot of worship looks like these days, I think one common denominator between all three of them is solidarity between the musical side of their expression and the apostolic or visionary leadership side of their expression. So in two of those cases, um, it's a father and a son yep. situation. Um, in the other, Louis and Chris, it's it's almost like a father and son where Louis brought him very much into his life to shepherd him and to, to go everywhere with him. And I just think you can't overestimate the importance of having solidarity between the musical expression and the apostolic or prophetic side. So much so that Elisha won't even prophesy until the musicians play. Right. You know, there's such a link to me between the musical, the artistic, the creative, and the priestly, the pastoral. So in Exodus 30, all about priestly ministry, Exodus 31, all about artistic, craft, beauty. And I just think you've got to do whatever it takes to protect that relationship and for you to both value that relationship enough and not see this dichotomy of I'm the word, you're the worship. It's an unhealthy dichotomy that I hate with everything in me. But to say, no, you're a word in worship and I'm word in worship. And as soon as one of those is, is just one of those, then we're in trouble. Yep, that's good. We're team. Martin or uh, Tara, do you want to say anything about the wonderful leader you have? 
Oh my word, how blessed we are. So much to say, so There's much. Not enough time. Um, <laughs> I think this book is probably one that you may have recommended, and I don't know if that's backwards or forwards, but that's A Tale good. of the King, yeah. I know it's a, a bit of a classic, but I think that is a, a great um, heart check for any worship leader, just just mm -hmm. this book right here. It's a dead easy read, um, but I highly recommend it if, if you've not already read it. Um, Tale of Three Kings, for those who can't see that. Yeah. Okay, Tara, anything? Uh, just, I'd say just communication, communication. Um, just as much open communication as possible. Um, Greg has always been, you know, door wide open to me and um, if he doesn't like a song I know if he does like a song I know if it you know I, I think I think that's key it keeps um, expectations at a reasonable level and keeps um, you know those ever fragile um, worship leader feelings from getting hurt okay good all right uh, we are, we're gonna wrap it up uh, what I want to do is I want to do what I call an it segment which is what have you read, written, or seen lately that you can't stop thinking about? And uh, this is a time for selfless, shame, uh, shameless self-promotion if you want to. If you've got something you've written or, or, or something coming out, book, album, whatever it happens to be, or uh, just something you've uh, seen that uh, really has, has uh, impacted you. Aaron, we'll start with you. Um, do you have an it right now? Well, yeah, so we moved to Polly's Island to be a part of a ministry that trains leaders in how to make disciples. And so we've been given, giving this year to, to learning everything that we can from these guys called 3DM. They have a book called Building a Discipling Culture. It's very helpful. And so in terms of what I'm processing, that would be it. And then if I could throw out the net to anyone interested in becoming discipled and not just developed as a worship pastor, check out our website. We... We consider it a real privilege to get to walk together for a couple of years um, into that. What is your website? That's just my name, AaronKeys.com slash school about the discipleship stuff. Okay, AaronKeys.com slash school. Great. Carlos. You are muted. You are still it's amazing. Like Google Google actually told me when I started talking, like it was screaming at me. You're muted. Huh. Um, <laughs> Uh, a, I also want to say something about, uh, you know, just knowing Aaron, man, like if I didn't have a wife and 45 kids, I'd jump in what he's doing with those, uh, with the disciple making. So again, if you're a worship leader looking um, to, to be poured into, that's the man. Uh, Thanks, and then Carla. also, yeah, no problem, man. I, I believe in what you're doing. I love it. There's, there's this book by John Eldridge that I'm reading called Beautiful Outlaw. I, I'm rereading it, actually. Um, and what I love about this book is it, it is... Um, uh, I can't put it down, and it, it just talks about the personality of Jesus um, in a in in an unbelievable way, and he really unpacks Christ in a way that I think worship leaders, um, if they start understanding Jesus and his personality, uh, can actually start leading in his personality a little bit better. Um, and so, anyway, that's a fantastic book. But shameless uh, self promotion um, brought in here uh, tomorrow. My record called Fight. Um, the pre-order begins for that um, at a website called fightclubsessions.com. And um, so the record comes out April 30th. I've been working on it for the last couple years. Um, and so it will be on iTunes April 30th. But tomorrow you can pre-order it. And if you pre-order tomorrow, uh, you will get the remix record called the Fight Club Sessions for free. And I've got my friend Propaganda 
on there. I've got my friend Keisha from London on there. I've got KJ52 on there. And so I've brought a bunch of my rapper friends in. They've remixed all my songs. And you'll actually get that and be able to download that tomorrow um, at FightClubSessions.com. So I'm super excited about the record and uh, kind of what's coming out of it. Congrats, man. That's awesome. Great. Awesome. I love that name. Yep. Martin, Thanks, what's, man. what's it for you? Well, I've actually been enjoying Aaron gave me a something called In the Living Room, I think. And uh, it's a little DVD thing that he did that pretty simple, stripped down, nothing, you know, crazy over the top. But it's just been it's been nice. It's been just a real nice ministry. I I'd recommend that to people. Definitely. Thanks, Check that out. Um, Thanks, Aaron, you owe me like a hundred bucks there. <laughs> I'm, I'm good for it. I'm only kidding. Nobody's getting paid anything for this. And so yeah. yeah. No, that was that was for for real. Um, what I would like to promote is the Seacoast School of Worship. Much like Aaron has a a school of worship, Seacoast also has one, and we have our application. Um, process is open at the moment. We're receiving applications. It's online. Um, if you go to Seacoast website, I'm sure there's a link. And um, we have com just about completed the first year of that program and it's been, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's been really successful. So I would encourage people to check that out. Cool. I would, uh, I know you're not going to self-promote it, but Martin just wrote a song on Chris Tomlin's new album with Chris called Sovereign, and uh, it is a good one. Uh, uh, it's uh, one of my favorites. Along did, it with, did it pass the three the, the three week rule? <laughs> he hasn't sang it three weeks yet. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't sing it. We've only been able to start to sing it now, but yeah. since Chris released it, you know, he's been hiding it. So we'll see if it's a good song or not. We'll know. Right, in a right, we'll weeks. know. We'll know in a couple weeks. Yeah. So, so after one, it's good. So, yeah. Yeah. Dara, what about the it for you? Um, the it for me, uh, well, I'll have to, have to start with the shameless self-promotion that we also have just put out a, an album of original songs that Martin was super key in um, helping the fellas do and um, produce and all of that business. Um, and that is available at seacoastworship.org um, or .com. Either way, you can get there. Um, so we'd love for you to to check that out shamelessly. Um, and the book for me that is my, it is this one, sorry. How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. Cool. That's my it. I can't, can't get enough of it. It is um, just a super uh, rich biblical history of worship. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, on the new Seacoast album, uh, the song You Are With Me, is uh, one of the best songs I've heard in years. Uh, it has a cool backstory to it, and uh, so I'll, I'll promote that too. Uh, wish I would have written it, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, give us a uh, give us what's going on next. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. And uh, just for everybody, the Carrie Patterson is the author of that Crucial Conversations book that Carlos talked about. He also recommended that for our team when he was here with us. At Freedom, and we've read it, and really, really good book. So uh, we recommend that. Carrie Patterson, Crucial Conversations. Hey, on uh, 
We've got coming up a couple things. March 27th will be our next hangout, and we're going to be talking assimilation. We're right before Easter, so we're going to be talking with a group of people about how do we kind of close the back door. A lot of the new people coming in, what can we do to get them into our environment so that we can have a part in discipling them, especially those that make commitments on Easter Sunday, and what can we do there. And then on April 10th, we're going to be talking about the process of preaching. Um, how do you uh, get skilled in preaching? How do you come up with a preaching calendar? How do you develop the sermon during the week and just be talking with some great communicators about how that happens. And then also, coming up very soon, April uh, 16th, I believe it is, is we have got the All Access um, coming up. And that is going to be April 15th through the 18th, rather, at uh, Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And you can go to relatedchurches.com to be able to, um, or arcchurches.com to be able to find out more information on that. So that's what's coming up. Uh, we'd encourage you to join us at All Access. It's going to be a great time uh, of the ARC churches getting together with other church planners as well. All right. Thanks, team. I feel like we ought to go out with a song or something. But uh, Something. Yeah, maybe we ought to do the something. There we go. Oh, yeah. We, we, going on, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, just if we could just all make faces, I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, there, there we go. <laughs> there we go. All right, well, thanks for, uh, thanks for being on board. Uh, what a great session, and for those of you who are watching or listening, hope to see you next time.